the day of his return. I can hear somebody saying, wait a minute, I thought that Jesus was God, and if he's God, he should know everything, so how does he not know the time of his return? Only the Father knows, the angels don't know, and Jesus don't know. Pastor, how can he be God? Well, if I just take just a, a small caveat this way to deal with that, we got to recognize that the mystery of godliness was when God became a man. And when God became a man, because Jesus did not begin in Bethlehem, he always existed. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jesus, in a sense, is just as old as the Father, if, if we can use human terminology. He didn't begin, he always has been. So when he was born, he was born as a human, but he also maintained his deity or what made him God. But to become a human, he voluntarily limited certain aspects of his godness or deity. For instance, God is omnipresence. That means he is everywhere all the time. But when Jesus became a man, he chose to voluntarily limit himself to time and space like us to be in one region at a time. Not only was, is God omnipresent, uh, God is omnipotent, meaning that God has all power. But when Jesus became a man, he voluntarily limited his omnipotence to the point where he could be hungry, where he could cry and ultimate, and get tired and ultimately die on the cross. So he limited his power and he also limited his omniscience, his ability to know all things when he became a man. Because when he became a man, he was born as a baby and he grew in wisdom as far as his humanity is concerned. So when the Bible says that the son doesn't know the hour, this is speaking of the human aspect of Christ, not his deity. It's called the hypostatic union, that Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. As man, again, limited time and space, he could die, and his knowledge was limited on certain subjects so that the Father may get the glory. So let me come back to the text. Uh, can you say amen for just a little bit of theology? Uh, let me move on. Verse 33, and Jesus said, take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, I want you to watch. That means be alert, be vigilant, be ready, be awake. Jesus used the same word watch three times in Matthew when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane right before Judas would lead the mob to come and arrest Jesus where he would be led away ultimately to Calvary or Golgotha to pay for our sins on the cross. But before he went on that mission, he took his disciples into the garden and from the group of 11, he took three, Peter, James, and John, and they went a little bit further to pray. And Jesus said to them, watch and pray with me. 
Watch and pray. And Jesus went a little further from them and began to cry out in agony to the Father about the cup of suffering and sin that he was about to take upon himself. He went to talk to his Father about that. And as he's praying, he's expecting the disciples to be watching. In other words, to be alert, to be vigilant, to be awake because the mob is coming. But it was also to be accompanied with spiritual weaponry that is prayer. So watch in the natural, pray in the spiritual. Watch and pray. But you know what happened when he got back to them. They had been asleep. Now, before they went out to the garden, they had what we call communion or the Last Supper. And they didn't have the little grape juice that we use. They would use actual wine. And in their Hebrew tradition, they would take several cups of wine during the Last Supper. And so that wine is probably what put them to sleep late in the midnight hour. They tried to pray, but the wine made them sleepy. So Jesus said, get up, watch and pray, watch and pray. And then he goes and he prays again. He comes back and finds them asleep again, and he wakes them up and says, watch and pray. He goes and prays a third time, and he says, Father. Since this cup is not going to pass, I accept it. Not my will, but your will be done. And he comes back again. They're still asleep again. And he says, go ahead and rise because my betrayer is at hand. So Peter jumps up. He don't know what's going on. He sees this mob. He grabs his switchblade and he cuts Malchus's ear off, the servant of the priest. Had the brother been watching and praying, he might not have acted in the flesh the way that he did because Jesus said, man, put your sword up. Uh, It's time. It's time. This is what I came for. But Jesus told those brothers, "Be be vigilant, be alert, watch and pray, but they fell asleep. And so the same admonition is for us. As he said in Mark chapter 13, he doesn't want to find us sleeping when he returns. And this is speaking of in the spiritual realm of not being asleep, but being awake. Jesus wants to return to find a church, to find a bride that has been looking for him. I can hear Kirk Franklin, I've been looking for you. Jesus said, I want my church looking for me and not to be asleep. Now, have you ever anticipated the arrival of an important day before? What about your birthday? I mean, when my kids have their birthday, they're already looking for their birthday on the next day to roll around for the next year. I mean, it's something about the birthday. What about your wedding day? I mean, when you're thinking about your wedding day, you're planning for it, you're preparing for it, you're saving money for it. So much goes into a day. And you won't be late on that day. Man, your mind will be focused on that day. What about Christmas Day? Some of us, like our children's ministry director, has counted the days down between where we are now to Christmas Day because she loves the holiday season. Uh, Some folk in jail look forward to their release day. They have the calendar up and they're marking off the day. I get out next week. Oh, it's an exciting time to think about payday. Oh yeah, I know payday now. First and the 15th. I know payday. I'm looking for the day or the pay your debt off day that you know this is the last time I got to pay these people for this car. This is the last time I got to pay these people for this toaster. This is the last day. (laughs) Payoff day. Get out of debt day. 
What about delivery day? Uh, Mr. Williamson, uh, that new item is going to be at your house on Thursday. So you're looking for the day when that new thing comes. What about vacation day? Oh, let me tell you, if I can just make it a few more days, vacation day is coming. You look forward to it. Oh, the last day of school, the last day of school. We used to look forward to the last day. We didn't do any work the last week, but we still look for the last day of school. Because while you're waiting on those days, you think about it, you talk about it, you plan for them, you shop for them, you pack for them, you decorate for them, you dream about them. Because the thought of that day brings joy. So you're going to be alert. And Jesus says, when I return, will my church be alert? Will they be expecting that day? Will they be excited about that day? Or are they just going about their business like the world, not thinking about God? But are they mindful of God? Are they practicing his presence and not just on Sunday? Have you ever anticipated the arrival of a certain piece of mail or a package to come? Oh, man, because you know good news. Don't, don't let a check be coming. Don't, 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 don't let some cash be coming in the mail. Why? Because you are checking the mail every day for that letter or that envelope. Oh, yeah, yeah yes, you are. You, and sometimes when, I, when I'm anticipating good news in the mail, I, I'll ask my wife, has the mail come? I might ask her three times in the same day, has the mail come? And then she'll come in with the mail. And I'm looking for a letter that's got good news in it. And I said, baby, is there a letter in there for me? She said, yeah, there's a letter. I said, oh, give them to me. And she handed me the bills. I said, not those letters. I'm looking for some other letters. <laughs> you ever go out to the mailbox and you check it and there's nothing in it? You put it back up and you said, let me just, just to make sure. Open it back up again. <laughs> oh, I'm not the only one. And nowadays, after you buy something on Amazon, you can check Amazon to find out where your package is in the process of the delivery because you can't wait for that day to come. When that book gets there, whatever you've ordered, you get online and say, oh, the, the, the line that they use, it ain't got all the way to my house yet. <laughs> you're looking for it. You're looking for it. Have you ever anticipated the arrival of a special guest or a loved one to your home? You watch for them. You prepare for them. You cook for them. You clean for them. You make space for them. We put our kids out of the room because the guest is going to use their room. And the last thing you're going to do is go to sleep before your special guest arrives to your house. And even if it's getting late and the, and the clock and the hours are passing by, you're not going to go to sleep until your guest gets to your house. Why? Because it's dishonorable to have to be awakened to receive a guest that you've been preparing for. No, no, no. You want to show that, man, look, I'll sacrifice sleep to wait for you to get here because that's the right thing to do. I can't wait to see you. I'm anticipating your arrival because I don't want to send the wrong message that you're not that special because I fall asleep while I'm waiting for you to come. But because you are special, I'm going to stay awake. The same is true as we wait for the Lord to not be asleep but to be awake, aware, mindful, ready, vigilant, sober, looking up to the hills, waiting for the master to come. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Our primary verse in this, in this series of It's Time. Romans 13, 11. 
Paul the Apostle said to that church, and he says to us, and do this, knowing the time. And we said that time there is not chronological time, but kairos time or season. Know the season. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Jesus is one day closer than he was yesterday to return, to coming quickly. And we should say, thank you, Lord. You are the lover of our souls. We love you. We say, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So Paul wants the church in Rome and the church here in Davidson County to be awake when Jesus comes, to not be asleep. Because to be physically asleep is to be in a state of inactivity with a loss of consciousness, having a decrease in responsiveness and a lack of awareness in events taking place all around you. I'll say it one more time. When we are physically asleep, we are in a state of inactivity with the loss of consciousness, having a decrease in responsiveness and a lack of awareness in events taking place around you. Man, it would be easy for me today to pick on my wife about naps. Naps. But I take a nap too because I'm getting older. But when my wife takes a nap, she likes to go off to a far off land. And she doesn't want to be disturbed when she's taking her nap. So the kids had better walk lightly. Even Lulu the dog had better bark lightly up in there because she's got to get her strength back. And my wife will lose consciousness when she takes that nap. She does not like to be disturbed when she takes that nap. Because if you disturb her, she's going to, hell hath no fury like a woman that wakes up from a nap that's been broken. Lord, have mercy. I know some other sisters can agree. <laughs> well, to be spiritually asleep is to be in a state of spiritual inactivity with the loss of spiritual consciousness, having a decrease in spiritual responsiveness and a lack of spiritual awareness taking place around you. And so I would imagine in a church this size, we, we got a couple of sleeping saints with us this morning. We got a couple of Rip Van Winkles up in here this morning. Turn to your neighbor. No, don't do that. Don't turn to your neighbor. <laughs> Christians who are spiritually asleep resemble unbelievers who are spiritually dead. When we're spiritually asleep, when we're not aware to spiritual things, when we're not responsive to the Holy Spirit, there's not much difference from us and those who are spiritually dead. And if we remain in that state of spiritual apathy and desensitization, it may prove that we were never woke in the first place. Because Jesus saved us to wake us up. Yeah, we fall asleep, but we're not the kind to stay asleep because people who stay asleep, who claim to know the Lord, look like the people who are spiritually dead and never been woke who don't know the Lord. And so when we hear the voice of the Lord, we're going to arise. Man, when he went up to that tomb and called Lazarus out of that tomb, he had to say Lazarus because if Jesus had just said, come forth, Every dead person up in there would have came out. But he said, Lazarus, called him by name. And the brother came out. And they loosed him from those death clothes. 
And it would be foolish for him, after being free, to roll back up in the cave and lay back down where he was and act like what he used to be. You ain't that no more. You've been made alive because Jesus called you. And so if he has called us to be awake, man, let's stay spiritually awake. Rabbi Ravi Zacharias says, Jesus does not offer to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. And if Jesus has made you alive and stirred you and awakened you, he doesn't want you to go back to sleep and apathy. That's called a spiritual sleep disorder. And in the natural realm, there are many kinds of sleep disorders. One of them is called sleepwalking, i.e. somnobulism. Uh, it's just a typical form of sleep disorder. Somnobulism is sleepwalking. And it typically occurs in childhood between ages four and eight. But adults can suffer from it as well. Sleepwalking is often hereditary. So if your mom or dad or your uncle sleptwalk, then there's a chance you're going to receive that as well because 15% of the population sleepwalks. And it is a common, or rather it, its common triggers are sleep deprivation. So if you don't get enough sleep, chances are you'll be a sleepwalker. If you use sedatives, alcohol, and drugs, there's a chance that you will be a sleepwalker. And so physical sleepwalkers and spiritual sleepwalkers have several things in common, and I'll just read a couple. Physical sleepwalkers tend to exhibit strange behavior. What do I mean by that? When you go to sleep, you're supposed to stay asleep and wake up in the morning. Unless you have a weak bladder and you got to get up several times during the night. But I'll leave that alone. I'll leave that alone. I'll come back. You're supposed to stay asleep through the night. But sleepwalkers exhibit strange behavior because they will wake up in the middle of the night but still be asleep. They will sit up look around, they will even start walking around the room. That's strange behavior. A sleepwalker will do these things, still being asleep, but acting like they're awake. They will not only walk around the room, they'll walk around the house. St studies have shown that they will even do bizarre things like go in closets and urinate in closets, sleepwalkers. They will even go so far as leaving the house, sleepwalking. Sleepwalkers will not only leave the house, they've been known to drive automobiles while being asleep. Sleepwalkers, because, uh, I don't know the word, doctors help me, because they've been so trained, they can even do things like go downstairs and play the piano while being asleep. Sleepwalkers can even do harmful things to themselves, like shoot themselves with a gun and still be asleep. I bet you they're going to wake up after that round go off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And spiritual sleepwalkers do the same thing. Exhibit strange behavior. A Christian that doesn't pray, that's strange behavior. A Christian that doesn't read the Bible, that's strange behavior. A Christian that doesn't go to church and fellowship with other Christians, that's a sleepwalking saint right there. Christians who don't worship, they sit on their hands, act like they can't raise a hand, can't give God a praise out of their mouth. That's sleepwalking, that's strange behavior. Christians that don't pursue holiness, that's strange behavior. Christians who don't share their faith, that's sleepwalking, that's strange. Well, physical sleepwalkers, when they wake up, they'll talk also. 
Now, when they're talking, they don't know what they're saying. And when they talk, a lot of times it doesn't make sense. I mean, uh, yeah, let me go to the fair. Uh, let me get $5 on pump number three. Uh, let me get a two-piece. Uh, they don't make sense. That's why you better be careful what you do and who you do it with, because if you start calling out names, well, spiritual sleepwalkers, they do a lot of talking, too, and a lot of times it don't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I know I'm a Christian, but why can't I do this, that, and the other? You're talking a lot of nonsense. Well, physical sleepwalkers can't hear people talking to them. So when they're walking around and you start talking to them, they can't hear you. Spiritual sleepwalkers are people who can't hear words of rebuke. If you can't ever hear a word of rebuke, you get defensive every time somebody rebukes you. You might be spiritual sleepwalking because we know about, a lot about your character, about how you handle words of rebuke. But physical sleepwalkers, they can't hear that. They can't hear no admonishment. They can't hear no warning. They can't hear no correction. No wonder Jesus said, whoever has an ear, let them hear. Because you can have an ear and not hear. But we're talking about the spiritual ear. Can you hear? And then finally, physical sleepwalkers are known to attack people who try to wake them up. You try to wake them up, you know, they will start swinging on you. Spiritual sleepwalkers, when you try to wake them up, and warn them uh, about the path they're walking down. Because the story is told, true story, of a man that went sleepwalking out of his house and started walking towards a cliff and walked off the cliff and fell like 40 feet. Thank God he survived, but he needed somebody to wake him up before he went off that cliff. And sometimes when we try to awaken sleepwalkers, they will try to swing on you and stop you from waking them up. And spiritual sleepwalkers are people who swing on people who try to help them out to not walk off cliffs in this life. Paul said to the church in Galatia, have I become your enemy because I've spoken the truth to you? And sometimes, uh, you know, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. So when a friend tries to wound you well with truth in love and you start swinging on that person, talking about that person, resisting that person, you just might be a spiritual sleepwalker. And you see, there's this misconception that sleepwalkers shouldn't be awakened. Oh, no, you better awake them because if you don't wake them up in that condition, they could hurt themselves or hurt somebody else. So spiritual sleepwalkers, when we get there, we need people close to us to wake us up so that we don't hurt ourselves or hurt our families because we're in this particular state of mind. So in Romans chapter 13, verse 11, Paul said it's high time to awake out of sleep. In other words, it's time to wake up. Church, it's time to wake up. And then he's going to give us three reasons why we should wake up. Number one, he says, you got to wake up because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. In other words, right now, Jesus is closer to coming than he was yesterday. And you don't want to be like those people in that parable or like the virgins in the parable he gives in Matthew who weren't ready, didn't have their lamps ready with oil when the bridegroom came. You want to be ready. You want to be awake when Jesus comes. You don't want to be spiritually asleep when he comes. 
Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The salvation here is speaking of glorification. When we go to heaven, when we see the Lord, when we are made, our bodies are transformed to have bodies like Jesus, 1 John chapter two, 3, verses 2 through 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, our glorification, when our salvation is fully accomplished. So our salvation is on its way. When our Savior comes, when we see him, we're going to be made just like him because we're going to see him as he is. So our salvation is coming, and this old body won't have to groan anymore to be clothed with his heavenly garments. You will receive your heavenly garments. That day is closer than it's ever been before in your life. So wake up! Your salvation is close. But then he says next in the verse, uh, verse 12, he says the night is far spent. Wake up because the night season is almost over. Pastor, what's the night season? The night season is the night of man's depravity. When man fell into sin, the earth has been dark ever since then. And in Luke chapter 22, verses 52 through 53, when Jesus was arrested, he told them, it's okay, I understand why I must be arrested. It is prophetic because this is your hour right now. This is your season. This is the season of man's depravity. The season of darkness is almost over. The 666 man's hour is almost over. Jesus is coming because, you know, man was created on the sixth day. So when the Antichrist comes, he's going to take the mark 666, which promotes man over God, uh, 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 an unholy trinity, if you will, 666 of man, humanism at its apex. But Jesus is coming. And when the lamb comes, who can abide in the presence of the wrath of the lamb? The lamb is coming. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Get rid of man's rule. Man's darkness leads other people into darkness. Because when the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a ditch. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. You've got sight. You've got vision. This also speaks of the night of sin is almost over. Because in the new kingdom, there won't be any sin. But in this world, there is sin. John chapter 3, Jesus even said, men love darkness because their deeds are evil. Well, that day is almost over when everything will be brought to the light. Matter of fact, when the new kingdom comes, there won't be a need for a physical son anymore because Jesus will be the light for the new kingdom. So we won't need a son. There won't be a moon because there won't be a light to rule the darkness. Every day will be Sunday. Every day will be a sunny day because the son of God is reigning. But right now, we're living in a world of sin. Uh, Ray Charles said back in the day, nighttime is the right time. And if you want to do dirt, most of us used to do it, used to do it in the dark. We used to do, oh man, soon as it started getting dark, that's when you ironing your shirt, the head on out to the, uh, let me stay on focus. All right. <laughs> I make bad decisions when it's dark outside. My attitude after a long day starts going downhill at night. Eat stuff at night, I would never eat in the day. It's just something about nighttime. You know, you just think the night just cloaks it, you know. You may watch stuff at night you would never watch in the day. It's something about the night, stuff you may say in the darkness. You would never say in the light. There's something about the darkness. 
but the night of Satan's dominion is almost over. The night is far spent, which also means the night of Satan's activity is almost over. You see, when Adam sinned, man's depravity came into the world. But at that point, because Satan had influenced them and tempted Adam and Eve, he became the God of this world. Small g, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. He is the God of this world. He's also, according to Ephesians 2, the ruler or the prince of the air. So that's why he could rightfully offer to Jesus the kingdoms of the world when he tempted him because Adam gave him dominion when he sinned. So Satan has authority over the earth. He tempts Jesus saying, I'll give you the people as long as you don't go to the cross to pay for the people, anything but the cross. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to pay for the people the right way. I'm just not going to take what's handed to me. I'm going to pay for them. That's how a lot of us used to do when we used to steal stuff out of stores. No, 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 no. I'm going to pay for what I'm purchasing here. I'm not going to steal it. And Jesus said, I'm going to pay for them on the cross. Because if Satan could get Jesus not to go to the cross, then that means Jesus would have compromised and Satan would have won. Well, wait a minute. I thought Jesus was God. He was also man. So that whole thing, could Jesus have sinned? Could he not have sinned? Was the temptation real? Was it not real? No, I want to believe it was real because he was a man like us, yet without sin, tempted in every way. So he understands what we're going through when the devil rolls up on us. But the day or the dominion of Satan is almost over, and he knows that. The book of Revelation says his time is short, and he knows his time is short. When they were up in the upper room, Jesus and the disciples while they're having the Last Supper, Satan is an invisible party at that meal. Pastor, how do you know? Because Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me tonight. And they began to say, who is it, Lord? Who is it, Lord? And Jesus said, the one who dips out of the same bowl with me, he is the one who is going to deceive me or betray me, rather. And Judas looks at Jesus and says, Master, is it me? And Jesus says to Judas, Yes, it is as you say. And so Judas got up and he left the table and the guys thought that he was just going to handle financial business like he normally does because he oversaw the finances for the 12. They never thought that he was the betrayer. He blended in so good as a sleepwalker that they didn't even think that he was the one who was going to betray the Lord. But watch what John chapter 13 says. When he took the bread, when he dipped in the same spot, the Bible says that Satan entered him. He became possessed of Satan at that moment. Satan entered him. And when he walked out, the Bible says it was night. So when John writes that, he's being very descriptive, not only in the natural realm, but in the spiritual realm, that it was the day of Satan's dominion where he infiltrated one of Jesus' team members. It was night. But that day is almost over of man's depravity, of sin's power, and of Satan's dominion. It's almost over, which is another reason to wake up and not be duped by the enemy, to not be duped by your own depravity, to not be duped by sin that's in the world. Because the final thing he says to wake up, not only because our salvation is nearer, not only because the night is far spent, but in verse 12, he says, wake up because the day is at hand. What's the day? The day of the Lord. 
the day of the return of God. It's almost here. The day is at hand, the day when Jesus returns. So when he returns, you want to be awake. Final scripture. I read this last week. I'm going to read it again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. When the Lord returns, it shouldn't surprise the church because our mind should be on the Lord. But it's going to surprise the world as if they just got robbed by a thief. But we shouldn't be the ones robbed because we're anticipating the return of the master. First Thessalonians 5, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Be awake. He's coming. So as the Jews look for the Messiah to come, the church is looking for the Messiah to come back. And we don't want to be like many of the Jews who missed his first coming because of carnality and worldliness. And they just had their own image of what the Messiah should be like. Many of them missed him. Many of them resisted him. But no, may we be people of the day who are anticipating the second coming of our Lord. We know who he is. Matter of fact, we're part of that number. We believe even though we haven't seen. And we're blessed. We, but one day, we're going to see him as he is. We're going to see him. So Paul said, it's time to wake up because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. It's time to wake up because the night is far spent. That season is almost over. And it's time to wake up because the day is at hand. And if you've been sleepwalking, get up out of that sleepwalk. Wake up. Jesus is coming. Let's stand for prayer. Amen. My brother Baraka, come and close us in prayer. This is a good day. Every day with the Lord is good. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just thank you, Lord God, for the word that you gave Pastor Chris to speak to us, Lord God. To Lord, stay woke. To really, really focus on you. Lord God, you send your word to put on the whole armor of God. But Lord God, I believe that we should never take it off. We should always be ready, Lord God, and mindful, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that we are sensitive, Lord God, that you give us the guidance and the wisdom to be sensitive to those family members or loved ones that don't know you, Lord God, because the time is come. It is coming. Lord God, we will witness to them, Lord God, our brothers and sisters, our neighbors, in this country and other countries, Lord God. Lord God, I pray you be with the children of this church the youth, the ministry leaders, the elders, everyone in his, in his church and the family members, Lord God, and that you be glorified and magnified that we have a praying and worship lifestyle, not just on Sundays, Lord God, not just on Wednesdays and 
Lord God, where it's convenient, Lord God, that we will just continue to, to have a relationship with you. Not a religion, but a relationship. So, Lord God, we thank you and praise you, Lord God. Be with us until we meet again. In your son, precious Jesus' name, we do praise you and thank you. Amen.